how can I have spiritual integrity with my sex life, you know? And like, that doesn't have to look like I'm a fucking Puritan. So that's why I mean, I'm curious to ask other people about what their experience is with it, you know? What does their, what does others healing look like? Everybody, this is Rose. And this is Louisa. And you're listening to Sober Sex. I made a promise to myself to stop not listening. What it looks like now is that I make conscious choices around my sexuality. It started with putting down the substances, really, and starting to listen. And the listening to my body has changed. Welcome to Sober Sex. This is our first episode. It's absolutely thrilling. We're thrilled to present ourselves to you. So we're going to introduce each other because introducing oneself is incredibly awkward. I'll start by introducing Rose, my friend, my co-host, my favorite certified recovery coach. Sorry, other certified recovery coaches who have to be friends. She's my favorite. Um, (laughs) She's also a badass creator in her own right, a playwright, an actor, a voice actor, generally amazing human, wife, bestie dog mother her superpower is compassionate playful and magical connection and she's newly a witch louisa louisa uh, is a uh, dj <laughs> singer songwriter and co-founder of the label raw and professionally referred to as the queen of french techno hey, hey, hey. <laughs> she's amazing her superpower <laughs> your superpower is lifting women and men up helping them see their enormous potential and scream laughing um hilarious jokes and memes if you can scream a meme it you do it your amazing sense of humor and your professional capacity as an animal trainer across the species (laughs) i'm rather impressed with this one more recently that's a reinforcement <laughs> to, to all, all of my animal friends. <laughs> yes, very excited that we're doing this. So, welcome to Sober Sex, everybody. So, why don't we talk about briefly why or kind of what's what this is about? Because we don't, I think, in original conversations, we didn't want to necessarily limit it to the recovery sober twelve step community. But mm. that's definitely where we got some ideas about what it means to be kind of have a spiritual life that's integrated with a sexual life. And wanting to talk about it. Um, what say you? Yeah. And you're not just sort of sexual life, but like intimacy and across the board and how that can look. Because um, we've both had very different experiences and journeys with that. And looking how it touches all of our relationships, not just necessarily our sexual relationships, but that being a huge part of it, um, of how we find connection with our partner. But in other ways in which that manifests. Fuck yes. So we've figured on this first episode, we'd start by asking each other some questions. uh, And we will later invite other people into this conversation whose lives we are curious around their kind of, I don't know, sexual sobriety seems like a weird word, but like their sexuality and spiritual connection. Uh, Because I know another synonym for sober is close to God, whatever God you are subscribing Mm -hmm. to today. Um, so Rose, do you mind if I ask you some questions? I'd love. Awesome. So can you tell us about your, uh, background prior to sobriety with ideas about like sex and sexuality? 
Yeah. Um, so my background prior to sobriety around intimacy and sex could be defined under the tagline, I need you to need me and I will do whatever it takes to be what you need me to be in order to be deeply needed. Oh my God, I know, I know that song. <laughs> <laughs> that song was on repeat from the minute I became sexually active. So I developed a super intense um, connection sexually with men and women based on me shape-shifting my identity to fit what I thought would make you happy. So I know that in previous conversations, you'd mentioned like conscious and unconscious choices on this path, like kind of prior to, during, and then as part of uh, your recovery in, in sobriety. Uh, mm -hmm. What were some of your conscious or unconscious choices or behaviors? So my conscious choices look like wanting to be in partnership, being part of, developing um common interest and hanging out uh, music choices and just creativity in general just as a form of sort of bond but unconscious choices looked more like using my body transactionally for drugs drinks or performance in order to gain popularity or just to never be fucking alone ever mm-hmm yeah, man, I so relate to that, like validation being like my third drug of choice, maybe, you know, mm. <laughs> of just like, Absolutely. I cannot be with myself and my feelings. So <laughs> like, whatever I got to do to not do that, I will. And just needing like a constant buffer to feel like I existed in order to feel like I was really there because I suffered, I think, with from a young age dissociation. And so if I had someone there just feeding back as a general, um, source of knowing or like gatepost of where I am like I found that the most satellite I could use, <laughs> yeah I could use my sexuality as like an exchange for that yeah for sure for sure for sure it's totally relatable but also like remembering that the conscious choices like they can still be useful and aren't necessarily uh like bad like I think no, of part course. of it is like to kind of unwrap stigma or kind of negative association with anything. It's just like, oh, these are tools and some of them are, are functional and like useful and health healthy. 100%. And some of them are like <laughs> totally fucked. Mm -hmm. really? <laughs> but we're not bad, you know? No, no, uh, not at all. And I have incorporated them into some of like my current sexual ideals. So I don't feel like that path was just a bad path, but it's been interesting. Totally. Um, speaking of your current sexual ideal, I know that you're in a long-term committed monogamous relationship. So how has that kind of, yeah, you're beaming and we're looking at each yeah, other, staring yeah. at each other's eyes as we have this conversation so we don't interrupt <laughs> each other as much as we might. But um, you're beaming as you as I talk about your long-term committed monogamous relationship. So how is that? Also known changed? as marriage. Marriage. Yes. Marriage. <laughs> um, <laughs> how has that changed your ideas about sex and intimacy? Um. Well, even though I had over 200 different sexual partners, multiple long relationships, I didn't know shit about intimacy. Um, I knew about fast and furious, exotic sexual collaborations and staying in relationships for long ass amount of times whilst feeling deeply unhappy and trapped. But getting married and previous to getting married, like I discovered intimacy. <laughs> I squeak I love your husband <laughs> you guys are the best <laughs> together um so like what's different about who you are today in this relationship so in this relationship I learned that a truly loving partner 
likes that I have needs and that I advocate for my needs. Um, that we can be wildly different in what that looks like. And it doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with the relationship. That intercourse can be taken its time with, that there isn't always an end game. And I don't have to make someone come and feel like, few job done, end of. <laughs> that it's about exploring, allowing, and opening and staying present. And for a woman who uses the tools of dissociation rather than advocating for one's needs, that can feel like a full time job. And a newly found beautiful way that I have to kind of get through that is like allowing myself to cry when being intimate through surprise that I've never knew it could feel so safe, wild and be loved at the same time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're that love. That makes me so happy. That's fucking I'm very beautiful. lucky. Fuck mm. yeah, and so is he. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is. And so is your hairy son boozy <laughs> also known as a dog also known as a, like my, my actual hair he's he's a weird grown adult covered in hair i don't know what's wrong with him uh, <laughs> where's your curiosity today <sighs> what is my curiosity today my curiosity has been something i was scared so scared to go near again because it felt like there was so much trauma there and Today, I acknowledge that I'm sensitive to touch, sound, smell, and words, and that I like my partner to take that into consideration when we make time to weekly connect in that way. That's awesome. Freaking congratulations. It's I think it's really helpful for like a healthy sexual connection and relationship to know what one likes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That pleasure pain you. line is is a new favorite. Well, not a new favorite. I think it was always there, but like... I'm happy to be in a safe space to be able to explore that. What initially drew you to your partner, your current partner? Oh my God. I thought my husband was so fucking annoying when I met him. (laughs) I was so cut off emotionally and I wasn't yet sober. So when we first met, that he seemed like the most fucking boring human alive because he was so kind. (laughs) So one night we stood, he'd come over, he'd been he came over to my apartment with some other people when he wasn't invited and I was very cross. Hello, it's your husband. Yeah. Um, and uh, we stood in the balcony of my Parisian apartment and we were smoking roll-ups and he looked at me and he said, <clears throat> you know you can still have fun in sobriety, right? And he had this look in his eye like, oh my God, I don't know what. It was just pure minxy playfulness. And from then we haven't really stopped playing. And I guess we fit and he feels safe enough that I can be totally emotionally open and freaky at the same time. What do you think makes you a good team? Um, We play. We advocate for each other taking self-care and needing space, even if that means it doesn't always please the other one. We always make amends for our parts and we never stop growing and learning and being open to being wrong. Plus, I really still fancy him. So that's mega part of it. <laughs> Special. It's super important, I think, also to like cultivate that. Like, I remember you were sending me inventories. <laughs> Sober behavior is bad. And like Hi. one of them was like one line item was three things my partner did right today. And I think kind of cultivating mm-hmm. the magnifying glass of like looking at the things that we love about the other person as opposed to like where we could be critical, especially like in quarantine <laughs> when you're spending 100%. two months straight with one person in one apartment. And I really hate things like the law of attraction. Sorry if anybody's listening who is very centered in that, but I do think there is something about energy where I'm focusing my energy my outlook will grow. So I believe that if I'm focusing on somebody's bad parts, like 
I'm only going to see more of that, right? But if I'm focusing on what they did right, that that that's like I'm watering a fucking garden, you know, and that person continues to bloom. So has like has the things that make you a good cha- a team changed or evolved since you guys got together? Yeah, totally. Initially, I was super, super. I spent a long time being very, very unwell in recovery a lot, as you know. And so we adjusted a lot and I constantly felt shame. And But he constantly loved me back, but he took care of himself and that. And for me, that was the first time I'd ever really experienced anybody taking care of themselves so much. And that's because he also has 16 years sober and clean. And he is also a badass warrior queen. And he lets me sometimes paint his nails and he isn't ashamed to express his feminine energy, which I just love about him. Did that transform like while you guys have been together or is that like has been him all along and now you're just safe enough to express it with each other? Um, It kind of manifested in different ways. So as I was just sort of expressing, like he didn't, he never apologized for taking care of himself in the relationship, which I think it actually allowed us to be at different places when I was newly sober and losing my shit. Like I didn't even know how to walk down the fucking street or like take a bicycle like or just do anything to tie my shoes and but we had this love for each other that could exist outside of that but that was because he was he had boundaries and he took care of himself so I think initially it expressed itself through self-care and now like self-care looks different for him like so we talked in the beginning of this like um part of 12-step program uh, fourth step is often a uh, sex inventory and a sex ideal mm-hmm. And, um, I know that we've both done them sometimes numerous times. And so what does that look like today and how has it changed since like you first got sober? Um, God, it's so different and evolved and continues to. My sex deal now to really today looks like listening, presence, communication, and it honestly is about as wide open as the sea. Like there are no shoulds, nothing is off limits as long as there is communication and respect in place. That's awesome. And uh, does that inform other parts of your work or your life? Yeah, because if I don't have an orgasm regularly, I'm a fucking bitch. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in terms of like your, actual, your, your connection to your sex ideal and like knowing kind of who you want to be in relationship. In relationship to my husband or like relationship to the world? Both. Like husband, self, like, you know, the sex ideal is not like who we want. It's not like a Christmas list for Sky Daddy to be like, (laughs) I want him to be taller than me. Very, very dominant. Hopefully dark, long eyelashes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, It's like, who do I want to show up as in a relationship? So how does like, who do you want to show up as in your sexual or romantic relationship? How does that affect like your work or your life or your creative stuff or like Mm. do you feel like it informs other areas I really do actually and I've been thinking about this a lot considering we're in confinement like there's a tendency I think I felt at the beginning to feel really like trapped and claustrophobic and there's nothing more that makes me feel like I don't want to be intimate with someone feeling like I can't leave and (laughs) like I like the feeling of being trapped but like that I chose it <laughs> on my term. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, um, feeling like intimacy needed to be present every day in some form that might not necessarily look like intercourse, 
And so like me saying, it could be as wide open as the sea. It can manifest in different ways through the day. That could be like a meditation or hanging together upside down, which we like to do and looking into each other's eyes as upside down creatures. I can more highly recommend it even just with friends. Um, <laughs> it's really funny seeing your favorite people you love upside down and just, I don't know, being yeah, stupid. Like headstand and like, chairs, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have like, <laughs> feet up. <laughs> yeah. And, um, what else? Yeah. So just sort of seeing that, like, I think I thought intimacy was just fucking and then seeing that it really is in everything it's in cooking together. It's about giving each other space and, and then in terms of informing how I am in the world with other people, it's also not like imposing my shit on other people, imposing my ideals. I think that's really important. Like if somebody is not interested in wild kinkiness, like it's not up for me to decide if somebody is, that's great. But like just allowing everybody to have their own journey because it is their own connection, I think, which can become God-centered, which allows us to to kind of feel the freedom as it were. Well, that's at least my experience. That's not everybody's experience, but to have a connection with a loving higher power means that I'm taken care of. And that doesn't mean like I throw myself in directions which are bad for me, but that I have the freedom to make choices and be taken care of. Awesome. So Lou, can you tell us about your background prior to sobriety with ideas about sex? Um, yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, I think that I kind of can't, like when I got, I got sober at 20. So like prior, it feels like that was a really sharp line in, Mm. um, like who I was sexually, because I think it really gave me like a hard reset quite early in my like sexual exploration. I lost my virginity at 17 and then like kind of went like went on kind of a crazy ride as I became a cocaine addict (laughs) shortly thereafter and um so it went from like kind of really wholesome like like connected feeling like kind of courtship dating like kind of high school shit to very swiftly to like what felt really crazy and out of control, but I really liked Mm. it did in some ways affect my self-esteem in a really, in a way that seems kind of tragic looking back on it. Like I really related to you talking about like, I will be whatever you need me to be as long as it'll keep you around, Mm. you know? Um, And kind of reckoning with that now, like seeing kind of how sad I am for that girl who felt that way so desperately and was like, I, a lot of my shit was like trying to be tough, pretending I was tough, pretending I didn't have mm-hmm. needs, saying that I didn't want a boyfriend when like all the fuck I wanted was a boyfriend and I wasn't even willing mm-hmm. to admit that to myself, you know, but like a lot of my, what that looked behaviorally um, was kind of like you also mentioned kind of using my body transactionally in order to be loved or accepted. And then like kind of, and also like having a lot of feelings and using like drugs and sex, especially with kind of unsafe situations to make myself like go numb, you know, and feel, I felt constantly like too full, like too full of like needs and wants and ideas and feelings or too empty. I felt like just a hollow shell. So that, 
when I got sober, I kind of had to look at that and deal with that. And I thought that it meant the things that I had appreciated and liked about sex in prior to sobriety were like no longer acceptable. Like I remember I had a boyfriend when I was like, I just turned 18 and he was like 25 and my parents were like he seems like a great fit he was like an accountant but also a bass player <laughs> and Perfect. He like, he's like I'm afraid I'm gonna ruin you and I was like oh yes this is exactly what I want <laughs> like <laughs> ruin, me. Going to ruin me but um that kind of planted some ideas in my head about like like power exchange and I mean it was it was pretty subtle and quite vanilla at the time because I I was so kind of <laughs> like sweet and innocent but um that like stuff like that kind of got into my head as like oh like this I like and it feels kind of naughty so like I really like it and then when I got sober I was like oh no I must only have sex like a puritan <laughs> saint um and of course that didn't work out like of course kind of a lot of my kind of coming to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity in this area didn't look like being restored how I thought I would be restored it looked like being restored into like an authentic person as opposed to like St. Louisa (laughs) so like my needs were taken away you know like my desires (laughs) like what I wanted and what I liked actually instead of that being stripped from me like it became acceptable to me because I was shown like a higher power that was like I love you and your fucking weird pervy kinky self like why are you stop stop abandoning that girl like stop kind of pretending that's no that's not who you are like mm-hmm. that person's totally acceptable to me and it took me a while it took me like probably a decade into recovery and like a lot of chaos to uh to see and admit that but once I started to accept that part of myself and like lean in like a a lot there was like a lot of creative power there there was a lot of like self-advocacy because like I you know I we've talked previously I identify as like a feminist submissive right so just because I'm a a submissive doesn't mean that I I think that's like I'm woman and because I'm a cis hetero person you are male and so I submit to you it's like it can can look like any kind of gender or um like power exchange uh, constellation but this is my preferred one and as a result it's like I don't I don't take the idea that I'm a submissive lightly like I take that as like my power is a gift so if I exchange it with you it's because you're worthy of it it's not a given and you can't take it fuck you so that really changed kind of who I was seeking because I started to look for partners who I believed could handle me and could see this wow. part of me and it was it was really like uh, a spiritual awakening <laughs> oh, that's beautiful and it's been amazing to bear witness and be privy to your journey with this as well and to watch you stop putting like louisa in the corner you know <laughs> nobody puts baby in the corner only louisa, yeah. louisa in the corner <laughs> louisa chooses if louisa chooses it she chooses it but yeah i mean bringing watching you bring god into that has inspired um a lot of people i think it's really beautiful. And, uh, I'm stoked about it. You can't tell. <laughs> so thank you for saying that. How has being in a long-term um, committed relationship changed your ideas about sex and intimacy? So this relationship is like twice as long, but t- more than twice as long. The longest relationship I had previously was a year and a half, and this is going on uh, three and a half years. So that's like 
wild. This is the first real. I feel like he is a real gift from God. If I, I mean, I feel like I'm not talking like a super religious nut job, but like I, whatever the universe. It, um, that, that I, I'll call it. I call it that because it's easier. It's not like Zeus or Jesus or Santa. It's like my unicorn friend who like comes and <laughs> it's like, hey, you doing okay? Um, I'm like, how can I serve thee? <laughs> Just be glad it's not Zeus. <laughs> Just to be clear, um, that like I feel like he is a gift because he's so different than everything I was kind of choosing. Like my previous patterns had been kind of cool guys who were emotionally unavailable, and I had kind of internalized this idea that if you loved me, I couldn't love you. I would be like repulsed and like switched off by your love. And if mm. I loved you, you wouldn't love me because you would reject me <laughs> or you'd be unavailable. And um, this partnership, because I kind of told him who I was and what I was looking for, honestly, up front. Um, and he was really brave. Like he was open to trying new things. I was really anxious about kind of topping from the bottom. I was afraid that I would be like, even though I wanted a dominant, that I was afraid because he didn't have experience dominating, that I would be dominating him kind of helplessly because he he hadn't done this before and it turns out that like that's not it at all and that because I it was the first relationship that I was like really admitting to myself who I was sexually and what I needed and accepting and embracing those and like had nothing to lose you know like was able to be totally upfront um and also like get to know each other if that like get to know each other in a kind of like no strings attached, like there wasn't kind of an unhealthy like codependence going in, there was no baggage. Um, that like we just kind of kept growing together, and it was really like good timing. Like I I didn't think I was ready for that, and then like it just kept kind of evolving in a way that was totally unexpected and unfamiliar to me. So yeah, it's like it's it's unlike anything I've ever been in. And because it's like every single day is longer than any relationship either of us has been in. It's definitely feels like we're kind of learning more about how to be committed, you know, what that looks like long-term together. That's flipping magic. So where is your curiosity today specifically? I know you've talked about like, um, you know, kink and, uh, feminine, uh, feminist submissive but like what does that look like day to day I mean there's like a lot of shit that like there's a difference between where my curiosity is and kind of like where I want to grow and then like the reality of being in a day-to-day relationship with somebody right so curiosity like I am interested in I want to go to like a fucking sex club I want to go to dungeons I want to go to rope class like I want to do a bunch of shit I want to fucking like check out the world be a part of a community I want like I want to be kind of out in the I mean obviously this is happening now but I want to be kind of out and um like present in the world in this part of my identity my partner I'm not sure if that's kind of his path. Like he seems a little bit like more backed off from that. Um, so <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But it's like I I have interests and I'm vocal about them. And that's kind of like I I think there's a lot of weird socialization that we should just like we all be psychic when it comes to sexual wants and needs. Oh, and, God, I know. Yeah. So to, to be able to like have those conversations and like find 
a place where we can meet is great. And I also think that like kink is kind of a spider web, like your interest, it's not like a closed circle, like your interests will build off each other. So like I'm into X, Y, Z and he's into ABC and we're both into D and E. So like if we can kind of build like a psycho Venn diagram out of what we're into and like, because he's into something, I might gain interest in it because I love to please, like my kink is pleasing him, you know? So like, there's a lot of tangible kind of things that I really am excited about exploring and getting into and learning more about and learning how to do like safely and consensually. And, um, you'd let that be like a root of how we connect and how we honor each other's like awesomeness first like two and a half maybe three years we were dating like I was the one who was doing the dishes like I was the one who was kind of cleaning up because part of my like an expression of my submission is in that like I want to be of service um and I it makes me feel like connected in a good way but that gets fucking old (laughs) if you're living together and like three meals a day you're like another fucking set of dishes we don't have a dishwasher this is very intense yeah, so it's been it's been like a new kind of phase of development, but it's not a bad thing. Like I still ground deeply in that part of my identity and when I I I I'm trying to get better at kind of like ad- advocating it as a like practice because mm-hmm. it's really helpful for like kind of just feeling like happy and connected and like yeah, intimate with each other regularly what was it that like initially drew you to your partner um I think he's like physically he looks very like initially just like swiping through app was it it was happen (laughs) like he he looked like somebody who kind of he looked like a a man like <laughs> like normally I went for kind of cool guys who were really like cool and like dressed cool and looked cool and had cool friends and cold shit and he was like he looked like the like hyper masculine <laughs> and I was like oh that's interesting that's new um yeah I, I found him very like physically exciting but like when we started to hang out like we were able to have a spiritual conversation like the first day we ever went on he's um mm. he's an actor so he I felt like <laughs> this gave me hope like I was like oh he can pretend to be somebody like this means he'll be good at role play (laughs) this is good at fantasy like and he was so open-minded and so um curious and down like um and he like from the beginning I didn't feel kind of insecure like there was no game playing like part of the reason I like this as a dynamic is that the, the communication is really essential um where in the past I had kind of sought insecurity and like kept choosing unavailable people because I, that's where the excitement was. Like it tortured me and made me feel terrible, but like it still kind of kept me coming back for more. And here the, the kind of game is like negotiated in into the relationship as opposed to outside of it. So there's not like, you don't, I never felt like he was kind of keeping me hanging or like nagging me or like rejecting me, which felt made me feel really safe and really connected from the start. So, yeah. And I mean, I think like he's a really good person. (laughs) I love him so much. He's a magic person. He's a magic person. He's a magic wolf. We couldn't decide today whether he's a wolf or a panther. (laughs) 
So what does your sex ideal look like today? And how's it changed? Well, it's like I've been, because we've been doing this podcast, I've been looking at it more recently. Like the last one I did was right as we were getting into a relationship. So it was like 2017. And it was all about like how to gracefully leave relationships. (laughs) It was all about like, like, the kind of instruction was to like, let what's not meant for you go gracefully, you know? Um, and don't be afraid of who you are and what you want. And so today I think it's like, I want like the goal kind of fundamentally that I think I'm grounding in that I like heard about a long time ago, but really was not able to like fulfill because I kept kind of choosing people who are not down for that <laughs> was um, like to be able to see what my higher power sees, like what I call God sees in my partner and lift them towards that. And then to kind of allow myself to be lifted. Um, and what that looks like is, you know, not so many I statements, like not so like, like pick, picking battles and like, choosing consistently like if this is the cost of admission if like picking up dirty socks and putting them in the hamper is a cost of admission into my relationship that like can I also recognize that my partner does a ton of shit for me and I'm not like counting straws and like not being like when you I feel you know like I like the relationship itself is a sanctuary and I want to kind of turn my energy into making that sanctuary like a safe and loving place how does this inform other parts of your work or life Oh man, I feel like this part of myself, like it was looking for a voice for so long that when I kind of like really like sunk my teeth into proverbially into this part of what I'm interested in and like who I am and really kind of like embodied this part of my identity, um, that I got much better at kind of standing in my own power because like suddenly it became my power like if i'm like if i'm not having fun no one's having fun <laughs> it's <submissive. Right>. like <laughs> like um and that was really like a exciting piece of information because i had never felt like that you know especially in business you know i felt like i was always like oh my goodness thank goodness you like me like oh what can i do to make you like me more me, me, me. <laughs> like here i'm like mm. what are you fucking talking about like I'm awesome, you know, and like, yeah. I'm, I'm, what number I'm are you, Lou? here, 12. <laughs> if anybody's wondering, Louisa is a 12. <laughs> I had an epiphany at the gym like two years ago, and I was like, after watching um, Homecoming by Beyonce, <laughs> the <Sorry>. God, <laughs> I was like, wait, what are we doing here? You know, because I've spent so much of my time fucking like hating myself so deeply and I'm like fucking over it like I don't have another second on this earth to waste on that bullshit so anyway in case you were wondering I'm a 12 and I don't care if you disagree (laughs) (laughs) it's not up to you (laughs) (laughs) like you can be a 12 too um this idea that like I had a lot more kind of sense of advocacy for myself um when I kind of uh, instead of like putting the submissive part like randomly in different parts of my life was actually able to like take hold of own embody delight in the submissive like I was able to like a lot of bullshit left my life 
or I could mm-hmm. kind of like have something to be like, wait, that that's not for here. Like your submissive is not meant for your work life. Like put that away. You have a place for that, you know? Um, Cause it wasn't like creeping into other areas, trying to get that itch scratched. Um, mm-hmm. And also it's like been really creative because like, I don't know, a lot of stuff I make is kind of either metaphorically or directly about this. And it's a real source of like inspiration and like joy and power. Like it was like, Mm. it was like a fucking something like got ripped open and like loosed into the world, like a power pocket. (laughs) pocket I feel like your music's really changed. I really do. The stuff that you're putting out that I've been privy to be is to, is God's such a different feel about it oh yeah it's much more like well you talk about like the pain and pleasure line and I realize that like um I'm not afraid of pain like it's not necessarily like I'm not a full masochist like I have don't have massive massive tolerance but like I have learned that I can really enjoy that part um and like lean into it and explore that fearlessly and so and you have a tattoo on your head it says warrior queen <laughs> i'm a warrior queen um, you can't even fucking see it guys by the way until i shave my quarantine here <laughs> yeah. um but yeah like it, that it's not like if i can develop a relationship with pain that's um like to befriend it to lean into it to face it fearlessly like especially as a creation creative tool like it's been a really deep well of information and inspiration people i've connected with have a curiosity around that dance and that's how we end up in addiction Mm. because we we're interested in pushing the limits to like we like to call it in England binge drinking or um, getting a bit out of control or being a wild thing or being a fiend. And then like, where does it step into that point of pain? Because that's where my drinking and drugging ended up was like, there was no fun left, but somehow I thought I was having fun, but from the outside, it was very clearly pain. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think my shit was more about like intensity and one way to experience right. intensity was pain. But then if you'd like you if you're like, can you feel that feeling? Can you like express your feeling to another person? I'd be like, oh heavens no. Like be like nothing mm-hmm. could scare me more. I felt like I was gonna actually fucking puke if if that was suggested, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like mm-hmm. the the external, like, especially a lot of it, I think, like you mentioned disassociation, like it could be about just like getting out of the body. Like, how do I figure out how to leave this fucking flesh shell? <laughs> <laughs> you know this harbinger of flesh box oh yum uh, <laughs> but um <laughs> delete that just kidding <laughs> kind of learning where our limits are and how to kind of be present um in our bodies and in our hearts and in our heads as instead of just like bouncing you know like or splitting in my case I do a lot of splitting so it's been like I think that that pain and sex when kind of married in a way that's possibly like consensual present healthy can be very interesting for some people you do you 
Okay. You can find me on social media at Instagram at L-O-U-I-S-A-H-H-H and at Twitter at L-O-U-I-S-A-H-H-H-H <laughs> and at Facebook.com slash L-O-U-I-S-A-H-H-H official. <laughs> Louise. <sighs> and I'm Rosie Romaine. <laughs> And that's R-O-S-I-E, Remain, R-O-M-A-I-N, not the letters, so there's no E on the end. <laughs> and Rose Romain on Fat Book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us interview each other. We really hope that it's beneficial. Um, we don't profess to be experts, but we are excited to hold space for this conversation and hope you all continue listening.